Freedom On! You're listening to Lombok's Crusade Podcast, Episode 27, featuring Uncanny X-Men number 256, cover dated December of 1989. Part of the Mary Marvel Marching Society 2021 X of Vengeance Podcast event. Welcome to the 27th episode of Longbox Crusade. I'm your host, Pat, a.k.a. DJ Cristados. The Longbox Crusade is a podcast where each episode, a random cover month and year is chosen, and then an issue is selected from one of the Longbox Crusade crew members' comic collection. Each episode, we will summarize, review, and reminisce about the issue, ads, and events of that time period. But for this very special LBC episode 27. We will be taking part in the March podcast event called Mary Marvel Marching Society 2021, covering the Acts of Vengeance from 1989. Go ahead. 1989. A number. Another summer. Get down. Never mind. Uh, brothers and sisters. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was late. I was on mute. I'm sorry. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Jason wasn't big on the public no, enemy. No, you're not on the big public enemy. This Damn. came out in the 80s. You have no excuse, Jason. I was I was listening to the to the butt rock. I don't even want to know about that. Anyway, <laughs> let's go ahead and move I have on questions. here. Let's go ahead. We will provide a list of other podcasts participating in this event for 2021. At the end of the show, or maybe in the commercial that'll play in a little while. That's a hint. I gave it away. Let's go ahead and find out who's with me today. And we will start with Mr. Butt Rock himself, Jason the Weasel Skull Albrick. Hey, Pat. How's it going? Hey, good. Hey, hey. what's your favorite Butt Rock? Boy, I listen to a lot of it. As we, as we were talking about earlier, I really like Def Leppard. I thought Pyromania and the Hysteria albums were really good. Bon Jovi, you know, I, I know no man ever bought a Bon Jovi album, and yet somehow he sold like a billion copies. I don't know. We all have Bon Jovi in our closet. Come on now. We were all jamming to some some Bon Jovi. I liked it. I especially liked it when it was slippery and wet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. That was a great album. Mm-hmm. New Jersey. It was New all Jersey? good. Yeah. Yep, yep. I would listen to it, and then I would run away. <laughs> She's a little run, run away. Had a whole bunch of that. Uh, if they were wearing tight leather pants and strutting that butt, 
Okay, so that's where that mm-hmm. rock. Okay, yeah. I was trying to figure out what that was because showing off that booty, that. man, shaking that booty. I up was there always on the stage. Yeah, that's I was listening to him though. Poison. We can talk forever. Yeah, yeah, that's that's up my. Devin wants me to shut up now. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, speaking about Devin, let's bring Delvin in. Delvin, how are you? We got Delvin Williams, aka the Dark Web. Ain't looking for nothing but a good time. I was reminiscing on, you know, that commercial where, like, one dude there, you know, listened to some music, and one dude was like, is that butt rock? Well, (laughs) turn it up, man. Oh, wait, no, that was Freedom Rock. That was (laughs) not. Okay, well, all right. So he didn't do a bit, so I'll do a bit, but my bit is a story. Okay. Quick story. When I was in Victoria, Texas, I went to a bar all the time called Moonshine, and... The owner of, well, he was the manager at the time. His name was Bo. And one of my buddies was a bartender named James. James was a younger guy. And he, he did something. Who knows? It was either a little clumsy or something to slip up behind the bar. And Bo just kind of looks at him and he sighs. And he's like, he better be glad he's pretty. That's my bit. And it's going to relate to what we talk about with the story coming up. <laughs> I think I know where you're going with this, but I'll wait. I'll wait. Okay. Yeah. I kind of get it now. I think I get it now, too. So we will see. Speaking about scene, let's go ahead and bring in the one, the only, Jarrett Albrick, a.k.a. Death Probe. The inventor of the Proby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I almost didn't come to the show tonight. Yeah? Why? Uh, you know, just uh, you know, yeah, kind of burned out on it. But yeah, then I thought, right. you know, I thought about all the shows we've been doing, Pat, me and you, for almost four and a half years. Yeah. Somewhere around yeah. there. And I thought, Can you, you know, it? what I should probably do is, you know, I, I feel like I should be. I'll be there for you. These five words I swear you. When you breathe, I want to be there for you. I'll be Oh, you just keep doing the show, pal. I'm just going to get in on the 80s rock vibe tonight. Uh, yeah. hey guys, guys, come on. Now, the people the people want a show. They want it. They want the show. Dead or alive. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, didn't we, didn't we once do an episode for a Jovi bit? We did. Yeah, we did. <laughs> oh, man. Dang. We're rerunning bits. Oh, sir. <laughs> Sorry, folks. We'll work on it for next. Yep. It would not be the first time that we've redone a bit, so yeah, it's right. okay. I just we wouldn't want to put up air. Literally, <laughs> yeah, we we have we have, like, we, but you know, this is kind of us. It's it's our it's our thing at this point. I think, and that's what the LBC stands for. It's this long bit crusade. We <laughs> yeah, just keep long, running long, these long, long bits. bits. You know what? We need to bring back some old bits. And as we, we talked in our pre-chat, we need to bring back the recipes. We need listeners to start sending us recipes for us to try during the mm-hmm. episodes. We used to do that in the early days of Longbox. For those of you who might be newer to the show, you know, if you send us a recipe, one of us will cook it and eat it on air during a recording. So where should they send those recipes, Pat? They can send it to contact at longboxcrusade.com. And let uh, us know, is it a spring recipe? Is it a summer recipe? Does it keep you warm? Is it Do, do, do the like internet soups? thing and write your whole story your whole life story around it before you actually get to the rest right at the bottom of the thing like how'd you make your chocolate chip cookie <laughs> you know the story of how your grandma met your granddad during world war ii is it's great and i and i love it but i want to make some cookies mm-hmm. <laughs> just want the cookie pat i've got crock pot 
I've got an air fryer like we're talking about. I got cast iron skillet. Just throw me a recipe. Whatever. I'm ready. I am ready. Sitting prepared. Carry on, sir. All right. You heard it there, folks, that Jason is looking for some recipes to try. So let's get him some. Send it to contact at lawboxcrusade.com. Now, let's go ahead and get into the next segment, which is what's your current crusade? So we know Jason's not cooking, so he wants to start some cooking. Uh, you got to send him your recipes. But, Jason, what are you doing else? Well, right now, still surviving the quarantine, waiting for my shot, or what I call the Fauci-ouchie, so I can get out there with the rest of the world. Delvin's shaking his head. He knows it's brilliant. He knows it. He's just jealous because he didn't come up with it. Oh, Jared's a hater, too. But, uh, yeah, the only uh, real crusade that I'm still powering through is reading all the Ian Fleming James Bond novels. Shout out to our other network on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast for James Bond fans. Listen to us talk about James Bond. But have a good time just reading through those uh, Fleming novels starting Thunderball right now. About 100 Ooh. pages in. We definitely had a good time reading Heretical. Absolutely. That was fun. Over on the on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. Delvin. What's your current crusade? I haven't lived a very exciting life. I would like to blame COVID for that. But, you know, if you have a very active imagination, you can find things to do, even during COVID times. I don't really have an active imagination. So it's jujitsu. I've done that like five times a week now. Like, you know, I have bumped up my level of production there. And at least that's been interesting and fun. And it's keeping me relatively sane. I'd say this would be the other half of what's keeping me sane, which might explain that I'm kind of insane. Insane in the membrane? Possibly. Yes. I would start singing it, but it would not really be the 80s bit, right? That was more than the 90s. It doesn't matter. We're we're all about bits, so. Ain't got no brain. (laughs) We'll, we'll, We'll let that one go by. And if I think of a clever 80s bit, like Bon Jovi or something, okay, I'll get back to you. Sounds good. Let's go ahead and check in with Jared Albrick. Death Pro, what's your current crusade? Well, current crusade is to listen to Delvin talk about how he needs things to do. I literally asked him to take one photograph, not even for me, to help himself. And he told me he couldn't do it. (laughs) So, I mean, I tried to give something to do, Jared. I got things to do, okay? I was like, there's this one thing you could do. Big things. Okay. Important things that are not that thing. Okay. Jared, he doesn't want your photograph. He doesn't need your (laughs) photograph. (laughs) I want to turn to you. All right. All right. All right. For reals, my crusade is is Columbo. I've been watching all the old school Columbos. Uh, There's a lot of them, by the way, starting in 1968 and they go all the way to the early 2000s. And I'm almost done. I think I'm about six episodes away. And I found myself a Columbo novel, and I'm currently reading that. So I have really gotten deep into Columbo, and I'm really enjoying it, as I do enjoy detective stuff, as we talked about on Saturday Matinee Theater. Mm-hmm. Cool. Just one more question, Jared. <laughs> well, well done. Well done. He doesn't really have a question. Oh, That's a Columbo. Oh, yeah, I, was, I was waiting. I'm like, oh, Columbo Jared, reference. Like, Jason, you're going to say something. That was, that was the bit. Sorry. I got it. Ah. Uh, I did not get that one. I got duped on that one. Pat, what's your current crusade? Is it to get Delvin to take a single solitary picture for you? It was, yes. But then I figured I gave that to you, so now I'm on you to get the picture, and you're on Delvin to get the picture, but I don't think we're getting a picture. 
Yeah. We're never going to get the LBC OnlyFans page off the ground without no. Nope. <laughs> it looks like you guys are getting the picture, though. So, <laughs> Oh, he was the alternate version of that phrase. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've been uh, watching some detective stuff myself as well. I've been uh, continuing my watch of Murder, She Wrote. Uh, I've also added to the mix is Midsummer Murder. It's a BBC one. Pretty Miranda good. Miranda has watched all of them. Oh, really? Wow. Like, they're like hundreds of them. She yeah, it's like 21, 21 seasons, and they're like an hour and 40 minutes long. Yeah, first of all, I mean, Midsummer is a small town. Like, yeah. if that many people were murdered up in Midsummer, you would think that people would vacate this cursed village. <laughs> Mids- it's not like Midsummer is like New York City. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, come on, what's going on here? 21 seasons of cats getting murdered. <laughs> it's it's funny you should mention that. I just watched a special on Murder, She Wrote, Pat. Okay. And I can't remember what season it is, but they do move Jessica Fletcher out of that little New England town to, like, New York. For that reason. Uh, yeah. I've like, seen a few. With this many murders, the town should not exist anymore. <laughs> I, I think that my personal theory is Jessica Fletcher was actually one of the most successful hit people in the world. I think she was a Serial hit woman. Killer. She was a yeah, serial she was, killer. Yeah. yeah. It was all because she was what, Yeah. She would pin it on somebody else. Mm-hmm. But the common denominator of those murders is Jessica Fletcher. Yeah. It's almost actually nope. like she had an act of vengeance going on. Mm. Nice. Nope. Hold on. Before for, for you get to that transition, watch out for the hit woman. Watch out. Okay. Now go ahead. Acts of vengeance. Watch out for the hit grandma. Welcome to the Lupin Bits Crusade. <laughs> loop it, loop it, loop it. Use it again. Uh, yes, yes. The bits, bits, and bits keep coming back. All right. Well, I think we've chatted long enough. Let's go ahead and get kind of rolling here so we can get to the meat and potatoes of this episode. But before we do, let's go ahead and talk about one of our sponsors, and that's Omaha Bound. Yeah, Omaha Bound, man. They are the name in hard binding comics. If you want to be fancy like me and get your comics hard bound, you might want to talk to those guys. Check out omahabound.com today. They also offer pre-bound comic books, hard to find stories. Omahabound.com. Check it out. Do it now. Well, finish the show. And then do it. Or simultaneous. Either or. Omahabound.com. But before you do that, make sure you send us a recipe. Please. All right, well, we invite you to be part of the show by submitting your comments and memories, which will be read later on in the show. All links and pictures for this episode are in the show notes, which can be found at the website lomboxcrusade.com. Please add the podcast to your favorite podcasting feed or on iTunes. You can also follow the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Lombox Crusade. And we hope you come along with us on this crusade to read them all. Now, before we get started on this episode's issue, let's take a quick podcast promo break. We will be right back. There was an idea. To bring together a group of remarkable people. To see if we could become something more. So when they needed us, we could make the podcasts. 
that they never could. like to cross over, to feel so desperately that the comic is right, yet to fail all the same. Dread it. Run from it. March 2021 still arrives. Evacuate the network. Engage all defenses. And get this man a cold Mountain Dew. Ooh, cold Mountain Dew. I haven't tried one of those. Nah, nah, nah. Make it warm. Thank you. Sun isn't something one considers when podcasting an event. But this... <laughs> does put a smile on my face. Who the hell are you guys? Marvel Marching Society. We don't know where we're going, but we're on the way. A podcasting crossover mega event in the spirit of JL May. Coming in March 2021. Covering Marvel's fall crossover event, Axe of Vengeance. A cabal of evil threatens the Avengers and the entire Marvel Universe. Doctor Doom, the Red Skull, Kingpin, Doctor Doom, Magneto, the Wizard, Doctor Doom, the Mandarin, and Doctor Doom have banded together to pit Earth's mightiest heroes against foes they have never faced before. An array of heroes face enemies they are totally unfamiliar with. But who is secretly pulling the vengeful cabal strings? And can the Avengers take down the true mastermind before his hidden scheme succeeds? Featuring podcasts from Third Degree Burn, Back to the Bins, Avenger Spotlight, Coffee and Comics, Comic Book Time Machine, Doom Speak, Fan Holes Podcast, Fire and Water Podcast Network, Head Speaks, Into the Weird, Justice Not Entirely Dissimilar to Lightning, A Thunderbolts Podcast, Longbox Crusade, Married with Comics, The Quantum Cast, Resurrections, an Adam Warlock Podcast, Rolled Spine Podcasts, and Views from the Long Box. Marching its way to your favorite podcatchers and hosting sites in 2021. Act of Vengeance, a true story. Welcome back from the break. 
Now let's get into the featured comic for this episode. And it's from Marvel 1989 crossover Act of Vengeance. Let me give you a quick synopsis of this event, and I've gotten it quickly from the Marvel Wiki site. And it says, The so-called Prime Movers, Dr. Doom, Magneto, Kingpin, Wizard, Mandarin, and Red Skull, were originally tricked into thinking that the Acts of Vengeance were each individual's idea by Loki, who possessed an unassuming man in a white suit and played at being their personal assistant slash lackey, making each believe they were really in charge. The idea was that after years of being constantly beaten by the many superheroes, it was time for the villains to stop attacking the same targets they always attacked and focus on ones they have never faced. By doing so, they hope to take the heroes off guard and easily defeat them. And that's the quick recap of Acts of Vengeance. So for today's adventure from the Lombox, we are going to cover Uncanny X-Men number 256, Cover date December 1989. All right. The credits for this issue are provided by Mike's Amazing World of Comics website. Publisher was Marvel. Cover date was late December 1989. It was on sale date was October 3rd, 1989. Cover price was just a dollar. Edited by Bob Harris. Writer was Chris S. Claremont. Esquire. Penciler is Jim Lee. Inks go to Scott Williams. Letterer is Tom Orzakowski. Oh, hey, I know that name. And colorist is the Color Bad colorist, Glennis Wee. It's like they're almost the whole gang's here. Back again. Yeah. Glennis <laughs> back. back. Color your friends. Guess who's back? Guess who's back? This was reprinted in X-Men... Mutations trade paperback from 1996. Also on X-Men Visionaries Jim Lee trade paperback. Or you can find it in the Essential X-Men Volume 9 trade paperback. And also on Marvel Unlimited. The cover is penciled by Jim Lee with inks by Scott Williams. So, speaking about the cover, let's get a cover description from Jared. All right, I got you covered. Never gets old. Here we go. This cover started out like any other cover, until the Uncanny X-Men logo is purple, with ghostly white highlights. The corner box is orange, and it sports Colossus, Havoc, Wolverine, and some lady. Polaris? Greylass? Hoodie Gal? Of those three, my best guess is Polaris. It's anyway, Betsy Braddock. Yeah, it's Betsy Braddock. Take your word for that. Anyway, yeah. back to the bit. The corner box is clearly missing some X-Men, and if you know their whereabouts, please call our tip line. The main action is fairly simple. And whenever possible, the actual comic book characters are used for these recreations. <laughs> laughing at my own jokes now. Psylocke is crouched over in the foreground, looking like she's ready for action. Behind her, wearing a trench coat and standing in the fog, much like our host Robert Stack, is a pretty pleased with himself Mandarin. A top right corner tab reminds us that this is an Axe of Vengeance crossover, and a more prominent cover blurb reads, Mandarin has a new assassin, and Psylocke is her name. How did this happen? Perhaps someone out there can help us solve this mystery. Perhaps it's you. Well done, sir. Well done. 
Everybody clear on that bit? Jason, you checked off on that? Oh, yeah. That's the Unsolved Mysteries, right? You used to like that. You watch that all the time. Yeah, I, to this day. I watch it to this day. They're on Amazon Prime for free, so I watch them all the time. But as soon as I saw that trench coat and that fog, I was like, oh, I know where I'm going. <laughs> All right, well, with that cover description out of the way, let's find out what we thought about the cover and the art, and we will go with Delvin. Good hint as to what the cover's whole theme is about would be that it was dated late December. So this came out twice a month. So I don't know if Jim Lee drew episode, or excuse me, issue 255 or not, but assuming he did and had to draw the covers, he had to work quickly, and it shows. Because, I mean, trust me, it's Jim Lee, who is a legend. This is the start of that legend, but this was a rushed cover because there wasn't any background on it. Psylocke was looking kind of cool. Mandarin was looking kind of cool, but the cover kind of rushed. And I'll pass it off to Jason. Yeah, I was thinking the exact same thing. You could really tell with the background. You can also tell there's not a whole lot of feature in the face of particularly Psylocke. Looks like he spent a little bit more time with Mandarin. Mandarin looks pretty uh, baller right there. Yeah, overall, I think this is a good cover. But when you're working with Jim Lee, you want a great cover. And I'll pass it to Jared. Same, same. We were on a recent episode. I don't know if it's come out before or after this. It'll be in this neighborhood because we were on an Acts of Vengeance episode with Michael Bailey's Views from a Long Box. Had the same discussion about some Captain America covers there. Coming out twice a month. It just shows. Uh, again, it's Jim Lee. He, he's one of the greatest of all time, like Delvin said. So you got to respect it for that. But it's fast, Jim Lee. It's what I would expect you would get from Jim Lee at a Comic-Con if you commissioned him and he worked on it for maybe an hour or two, which would be awesome. I just want to be clear on that. But, you know, Pat, what about you? What do you think? What do you think, Pat? Now, Jason, you ask him. Pat, I'm wondering, what do you think? Well, guys, I'm glad you asked. I'm kind of thinking the same thing. But what really strikes out to me is you know this is 89 going into 90 so this is pulling my heart for the 90s art that was there and i'm I'm like yeah this is the start of it this is like the start of what's coming and i'm kind of getting excited for it i don't understand the green with the background and what they're kind of do but you guys make sense as that it's it's rushed so he didn't have time to fill in the background kind of sketch these out pretty quick and I'm a sucker for crossovers because I'm like, there's a bigger story going on here and you got to get them all. You know, it's like Pokemon. I got to catch them all here. I got to catch all these covers and comics and whatever. Oh, it's got a symbol on it. It's got that little header that I know that it's a crossover event. So I got to grab it. So I always like that. Uh, and this has that, you know, the X of Vengeance in the corner. So, you know, when you're going to the shelf, oop, that's I got to grab that one, pull it off there and read it. But other than that, it's all right. I, I can definitely feel what you guys are saying here on this one. I think it's cool that Psylocke's on there. And when we find out more about the story. This may be the origin story of Psylocke. Jared's giving me the thumbs up. I'm pretty sure that it is because pulling this book out from my collection, I saw that it had uh, about a $14 price tag on it. At whenever I bought it. So there was a special reason for that. And I'm pretty sure that was it. Yeah. Cool. I knew something was kind of different about it. And especially when they went in. Well, we'll figure it out in the story here. But speaking about the story, let's go ahead and get into it with a synopsis from Jason. Jason. <laughs> 
this one's title is The Key That Breaks the Lock. In this Acts of Vengeance tie-in, we learn that the Hand have captured Psylocke and teaming up with Mojo, make an offer to the Mandarin. It seems that old Mandy is getting tired of having his butt handed to him by Iron Man and is in the market for an assassin with telepathic power. The Hand offers to give the Mandarin a possessed Psylocke to do his bidding in exchange for a cut of the market. There's only one hitch. They haven't been able to possess her yet. Combining the Hand's mystic ways with Mojo's otherworldly technology, the villains begin to subvert our hero and transform her both mentally and physically. What transpires is a mental battle for the soul of Psylocke that I am sure thrilled my brother to his core. During the battle, we see how Betsy Braddock gained her Asian features and lost her eyes. We also get glimpses into her childhood and her relationship with her brother, James, who later becomes Captain Britain. Despite her resistance, however, by the end of the issue, it is the villains who come out on top with a mentally enslaved Psylocke in the grips of the Mandarin. And back to you, Pat. All right, Jason, thank you for that wonderful recap. You are welcome. On the Longbox Crusade episode, let's go find out what you guys thought about the story. And we will pass it around, starting with Jason. So Chris Claremont has written a lot of brilliant stories. This one probably wasn't one of them. I think this one suffers because it's it's kind of shackled to a tie-in and yet trying to carry forward a storyline. It's got a pretty decent origin story for Psylocke, but at the end of the day, I think what we really wanted to see was a battle between the X-Men and the Mandarin, and this just really uh-huh. didn't have it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I think it would have been a good, it's a good serviceable origin story, but I mean, as part of this massive tie-in, did it really satisfy? I don't think so. I'll pass it to Delvin. One correction, uh, Captain Britain is Brian Braddock. Their crazy, super powerful brother is James. It's James, right? yep, yep, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, ordinarily, Jared would start on the, you know, I don't like the mind stuff and this and that and everything. And I'm like, oh, Jared, live a little bit. And on this one, I'm kind of like, I can't even blame. What's that? I said, it got confusing for me. It did get confusing. And then it reminded me of the whole story of that they later tried to explain about the difference between Psylocke and Betsy Braddock. And then they introduced another character called Quanon, like who was the Asian component. And it was like, what the beep is going on? Because that part was written by Fabian Nicieza. He tried to clear up what went on with her super confusing origin, of which this was the start of. So, yeah. Could this issue have pulled in a casual person? No. No, it could not have. But to wrap up what I was kind of saying at the start of it, it was pretty. <laughs> Jim, Jim Lee and we'll get to plus that. Scott Williams is a brilliant artistic team. And I remember not too far away, uh, there was came X-Men 275. And that was just, I mean, you felt like you, even for like the dollar, dollar and a quarter, whatever that it was, it's like, I'm getting this artwork for this money? Holy cow. And with this book, there weren't even any splash pages. I flipped. I flipped through it real quick. There were no big splash pages. 
There was no huge action. And it almost makes me wonder how excited they were to even be doing the storyline. It's like, okay, well, you, you want me to work Mandarin into this? I already got the storyline written out. All right, <laughs> we'll figure it out. Let, let's go. I don't know. It didn't come across like something they were super excited to be doing. And it kind of bled onto the pages for me. Pat, what do you think about it? Like I said before, kind of confused by the whole mind thing that was happening and with Betsy Braddock and that was going on. And you're right. I was like, she's now Psylocke. What's going on? Does she change? I, I'm really confused still on that, how that went. I was really liking the parts where they did flash back to like her and Brian and you know, like Brian Braddock. Like, oh yeah, that's, I know that guy. And then James, I'm like, oh, I know that name too. And just all this stuff kind of coming back to me was kind of cool to see and just see some of their older, uh, you know, how they were when they were kids and, and growing up and all that. The Mandarin part of it, boy, I didn't really, I didn't get it. I, I just didn't get it. And maybe, you know, you got to read the whole bigger X Avengers stuff going on here. And this is just a little snippet of what's happening. But, yeah, I, you know, yeah. in the end, we figure out, like you guys said, it, 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 you kind of figure out how Psylocke comes along and gets entered or introduced to the X-Men universe here. Jared, what's your thoughts? Well, allow me to be the boat anchor once again. <laughs> Much like one time before on Crusader Chronicles, I reached a point where I just said, I'm not reading this anymore. I got about 60, 70 percent of the way through and I'm like, just nope, nope, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Don't care. I, I don't know what it is about me and Claremont and how we just cannot get along. It's a whole issue long mind fight. Oh, this is a fight in the mind. I don't care. And, you know, oh, it's storms here, but it's not really storm. And this class is here, but it's not really close. And I'm not really interested. So that's how that happened. Got about 70% of the way through and just noped out. Said, nah, even the art, which I know we have a section where we'll talk about art. So I'll save my comments for then. But even the art couldn't save me. Really? Ooh, Did interesting. not like it, which is odd because I was like, Mandarin's pretty cool. And I think this is the origin of the transformation of Psylocke. So that's I've always wondered how that went down. And well, here mm-hmm. I am still wondering. So you know, I, I just didn't hit me right, man. Didn't hit me right. I, I, I try to I try to be positive. But I'm just going to be honest and say no thank you to this issue. And it didn't help that we were just on, and I, again, don't know if it came out or not yet, the views from the long box with Michael. Talked about three issues of Cap. If I compare them side by side story-wise, this isn't even close to how good that was. Mm-hmm. Not even in the same ballpark. So that hurt it even worse, <laughs> having read them so close together. There's one thing, Pat, you were mentioning about sort of reading anything that had Acts of Vengeance on it. And Michael Bailey brought the knowledge and said that Acts of Vengeance went across the Marvel Universe. There was no actual miniseries of Acts of Vengeance. It just went across the titles. It was like 74, I think was the number, 74 issues of Acts of Vengeance across it. And it seemed like that they were loosely bound and that they tried to link it together kind of, sort of. And I think some did it better than others. I remember Spider-Man being kind of fun. And Captain America, even though it was a little disjointed, was kind of fun. This issue, it wasn't really that fun. And that actually surprised me because I like X-Men. The Claire, you know, there is a reason. There's a Claremont era, but this just wasn't, this wasn't it. Even for such an origin story of a character that was pretty big and popular 
for the X-Men for a very long time. It just didn't quite hit. Let me ask about a specific point I have on this, and any one of you guys can take this. Uh, I'll, I'll look to see whose eyes light up. We had the Mandarin at the beginning, and we had Johnny McLeutenant of the Hand, I guess, was talking to him. I don't know if that's an important character or not. It didn't seem like he was. And he was like, well, you know, what do you, you know, he, Mandarin was like, what are you doing here, Johnny McHand guy? And he was like, I'm here to make you not suck when you fight against Tony Stark. And whenever the, the, that technology Tony shows up, you get your ass whooped, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, how is Mandarin letting this a-hole live? I thought the same thing. I'm like, really? You get the mouth off like that to the Mandarin? So, yeah, I'm like, what balls is this guy got? <laughs> yeah. It looked it looked like Mandarin was going to vaporize him with any one of those ten rings until he said, I can give you something that you want. And he's like, mm, okay, go on. Because you're right. There was like two or three times where you were just like, well, if you got an issue with it, I'll just call Iron Man and, and whap, 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 whap. It's like, I don't know what the Japanese version of whap, whap, whappity whap is, but that's what he said to Mandarin. <laughs> and I'm surprised Mandarin tolerated it for as long as he did. By the way, I think the guy's name was uh, Suryaba, Tatsuo Suryaba. He did appear in the book quite a decent amount. So he was, he was a recurring that, character. I got to say, too, because I think when we were doing the cap issues with Michael, I stated that I didn't read Acts of Vengeance because I'd quit reading comics at that time. But as I read this, I realized, no, I was still reading and collecting comics in 89. And it dawned on me that the reason why I didn't go and read any more Acts of Vengeance was because this one, I just was like, if this is if this is it, um, I don't really, I'm going to get off the train here. I'm not going to go spend my money on a bunch of other comics because this one just really didn't grab me as an acts of vengeance using air quote title. So it didn't really do its job for me anyway. And this was part one of three parter. It continued in the uncanny X-Men 257 and 258. I'm sure I have those books. I don't remember those books. So I'd have to check to see what happened. Jason, do you even remember what happened? No, I don't. I have them. I know I do, but I don't know off the top of my head what happened. It didn't really my yeah, money's on mind me. fights. <laughs> More mind fights. I'll spike you. <laughs> yeah, and we just figured for this episode, we'll just cover the first issue here. I don't know if anybody else is covering the other one. So, does anybody have anything else on the story? Uh, one I thing I did like. like we, oh. Go ahead. Yeah, like, like some, someone say something nicer. <laughs> I do like the little bits and pieces that you see of Mojo in here and i don't know what he's doing in here either as but i'm like oh maybe he's kind of manipulating something as well too but i i thought that was kind of cool I'm like mojo oh yeah mojo's in here i like show up in Sidelock different in outfits and all that sidelock in the bikini this is the origin right here this is that <laughs> no in all seriousness uh, the thing that i think i liked most about it was it did kind of show how mentally powerful Psylocke is they threw everything at her mandarin the hand the hand's telepath that dies, actually dies in the mm-hmm. in the event. Mojo's technology, everything they had, and she almost got away. So from that perspective, I know that Jerry's not big in the mind fights, but that really kind of set the stage for me that, hey, this is a formidable character going forward. Very cool. 
Yeah, I think that's a good point to end on. And it, it did mention that sh- that she was fighting and that Betsy Braddock was a very uh, powerful telepath. But this little part of X-Men I'm hazy on. It was right before I came onto the book. And every time that I even hear about the Siege Perilous, I know nothing about it. I know there's this big thing where the X-Men all faked their deaths and then they went through this thing called the Siege Perilous and everything changed, changed, changed. I have no idea about it. I know nothing about it. All I know, like every time I even see those words, I just think super confusing. <laughs> and, and that's all I know about it. Yeah, I do remember something about it because I was reading at the time and it was like, I don't know, it was like a, a celestial or some powerful being and the X-Men did this mission and kind of saved time. And it was as a reward to them, the Celestial made them, like, the world believed they were dead, and the Celestial made it so they could not be monitored. They wouldn't come up on surveillance cameras or anything like that, and so they could kind of go around undetected. That's a real hazy memory from me, and I'm sure, you know, some of our listeners will fill in the the hazy holes, but that's what I got. Check. We'll bring a <laughs> we'll bring a groove comic for you next time, Jared. Appreciate it. All right. Well, with that story talk out of the way, let's go ahead and we all kind of hinted on it already. Let's go ahead and talk about the story art in this issue, and we'll start with Jared. Uh, it was the saving grace of the issue, my friend. <laughs> it was uh, great. I mean, it's always great to see Jim Lee. This is early Jim Lee. Him and Scott Williams have been running this. Thing together forever and it looks great i mean like delvin said no splash page but still plenty of good art i can only assume it continued in the last third of the book which i did not uh, read okay i, I at it least did. i fl- i did. flipped through it so i could look at the pretty pictures so i was like okay pretty pictures and uh yeah i mean it's it's peak x-men to me this is this is just you know, when I was a kid, this reading Jason's here and there, I was mm-hmm. like, hey, I'm not big on X-Men, but man, this Jim Lee can draw awesome. his good art. Yeah. yeah. So I'm sure everybody else is going to glow and I'll let Jason glow. Go ahead, man. This art is spectacular. Vintage Jim Lee. Number one, there's a lot of panels. It's very much an exposition type story. So a lot of art and he draws a lot of different things. He draws a lot of the X-Men characters. He draws nature, he draws cars, he draws World War II airplanes, he packs in art that, in his art, he's drawing the art that Colossus is drawing. I mean, there's a lot of stuff here. We talked about him maybe taking a shortcut on the cover of this book, but he did not take any shortcuts on the interiors, and it shows. Amazing job. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. That was something that caught my eye as yeah, the backgrounds in the panels. There's stuff going on in those. You could kind of just stare at those for a while as you're going through this just to see the detail on some of those panels in the background. It's just very, very nicely done. Like you guys said, too, it's, it's early Jim Lee. So it's like, oh, man, I got to soak this in. Now that I can go back and look at it and just go, yep, I can just definitely see where he is going with this. Delvin. What's your thoughts? I remember back in the day with McFarlane, I would do that. When they mm-hmm. gave him the reins, they gave him his own Spider-Man oh, comic yeah. book. Yep. 
And those early issues, I would flip through those over and over. Like there was one, he drew this story about Hobgoblin. I don't even remember what the heck happened in the story, but it was so pretty. I mean, just, you could tell he put his heart and soul into that stuff. And even in this book, I lament that there wasn't any splash pages, but let me flip that into a good compliment for Jim Lee. And that Jim Lee is one of those artists that could have fit in any era. He could have fit back in the Crusader Chronicles era of Spider-Man where there were multi-paneled stories and, you know, there were 17 pages, so they had to pack more words. And he's, he would have done beautiful artwork there. He did beautiful artwork here. If he were the new artist now, he would blow everyone away. I, I can't think of a bad thing that Jim Lee draws. And when you have an artist like that, it's just special to even see an issue like this where he didn't even necessarily showcase how beautiful his artwork is. But still, you could tell that it was a highlight of the book and just that you were looking at someone special, even on this issue. Mm -hmm. What you got, Pat? Oh, I think you guys said it all. And I kind of covered it with uh, the comments I made after Jason as far as his artwork. Just very well done. And to think that this came out twice a month. You know, if this mm-hmm. was his rushing to get something done. Man. See, I have a theory now, now that, we, that we've been talking about this, because I know that Jim Lee habitually works out ahead, right? So I wonder if this issue was the planned issue and he'd done the majority of the artwork on it. And the reason why we see the Mandarin so few times is they said, okay, we got to put it in this book mm. somehow. So mm. we put it in the beginning with a page and we put it at the end and let me just crap out a real quick cover so that we can keep this thing moving along. I think I'm starting to think that it may have just been this acts of vengeance thing was forced into this book. I can agree with that. It could be. Definitely could be. All right. Well, with the art out of the way, well, just a little bit. Let's go ahead and get to Jared's part of the show where he asks us a question about the art. All right, gentlemen, you know the question's coming your way. You can have any page of original art from this from Mr. Jim Lee himself. Lots of good pages to choose from. No splash pages, like Kelvin said. So what page are you going to take? And for funds, I'll actually start with Pat for once. Pat, what do you think? I am torn between two pages, but I will take the earlier page where you have Betsy Braddock and in the World War II jet or the plane, and you got Betsy and Brian, and then it kind of slipped into World War II and then kind of out again. I thought that was a pretty good one. Fair enough. Jason, what do you got? Well, as Delvin pointed out, there's not really any big action panel that you can gravitate towards, but I like page 19, which is the page with Colossus, where she battles Colossus. I just really love that panel with her facing off against Colossus there and just seeing how massive he looks yeah, uh, compared to her. I just think that's really cool. And the fact that he's standing in front of one of his pieces of art just kind of, you know, it's just kind of the cherry on top of that Sunday. So I'm going to go with page 19 with Colossus. I'll jump in and say I picked the same exact page and just add one thing to it. I picked it because it's such a good drawing of Colossus. I'm a Colossus fan. And I believe this is the official first page where we see Psylocke in her Psylocke costume as we know it. 
I was going to say we see her butt, but <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that's it. The costume. The costume. Would you say that butt rocks? Oh, that is butt rocking. Oh, okay, let's just yeah. Delvin. Let's move on to Delvin. Delvin all know, of our... Colossus is looking pretty good up there, too. <laughs> <laughs> no, just, just, we can't pass it to Delvin fast enough. Hi. Hi, Jared. I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm here thanks, to accept thanks your, for your being pass. Here. <laughs> you're, 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 you're welcome. Salat. Absolutely. I'm kidding. <laughs> well done, laddie. Delvin, would you say that butt rocks? Uh, yes, absolutely. I'm, uh, I had some... I'm leaving the show. <laughs> the page that I liked was probably the, the page two, where I was introducing just the whole scene with Tatsuo and the Mandarin. I thought that was a cool pose of him, you know, crouched there, you know, ready to start to his whole spiel with the Mandarin. So it was a good table setter. I like that page. All right. That one was an also a good one, too. And I like the page before that. The first page, too, was pretty good, too, with the uh, kind of panel in and in onto the courtyard there with all the yep. dead bodies and all that. Well, that was nicely done, too. A lot of detail in that one as well. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get to our next part where we find out, does this bring back any memories? And I could kind of hear some stuff in, in what we were all talking about, but let's see if we get a little more detail on it. And we will go with Delvin. Does this bring back some memories for you? Well, I won't talk about childhood in this case. I will talk about, and I mentioned it a little bit over on Michael Bailey's podcast. I don't know if I was collecting Spider-Man at the time, but I know that I remember Spider-Man and his acts of vengeance and they put him against some pretty big foes. I think one of them was Graviton, who was super powerful and he, you know, controls gravity. And I, and one of them was the Tri-Sentinel. Oh, yep. One was Tri-Sentinel and one was the uh, Incredible Hulk. It was the Gray Hulk. And obviously, Spider-Man would have gotten his butt kicked really against all of them. But he had the uh, opposite the Parker luck of having the Captain Universe powers at the time. And he didn't know it, but like he of course found out about, you know, that they were Captain Universe powers, but those are some fun issues. And I think the writer of the book was David Michelini and Eric Larson was on the book drawing at the time. So it was, I mean, the wow. pages were fun and the stories were kind of cool with Spidey figuring out what the heck's going on with this Captain Universe thing and everything. So that's what I remember most about the Acts of Vengeance storyline was the Spidey stuff. And it was really fun and cool. Jared, any memories for you? Yeah, it just conjures up some memories of the winter of 1989, which would have been Jason and I's last winter, last Christmas in Germany. Uh, what a wonderful time to be alive. All eyes were on Batman. He was coming home on VHS at that point. <laughs> and uh, I had it and I watched yeah, it over and over true. and over again. Mm. Uh, it's funny because mm. when, we when we were on Views from a Long Box, I thought this was about the time Jason left for the army. But reading this issue is what made me remember. No, no, we were still in Germany and um, just loving, loving comics. I'm not sure how Acts of Vengeance got past this, except Jason just kind of told us he read this one and kind of noped out and I was probably relying on Jason's finances to bring comics into the house, so I was reading whatever he was bringing home. So I hadn't read hardly any Acts of Vengeance, probably just the Spider-Man issues that Delvin talked about. We had those, and I remember them well. Yeah, it just takes me right back to Christmas of 89 in Germany, which 
quite possibly my favorite Christmas of all time. And before I get misty eyed, I'll let Jason yeah. finish that. Would you say that was your last Christmas there? Yeah. Yeah. In Germany. Did anybody give you their heart? Let's pass it to Jason. It was in German, so it was their Herza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, this one does remind me. I was still collecting uh, X-Men. This was kind of, I was about ready to trail off because we were leaving Germany. And then I was kind of, you know, that point after you graduate, but you're still not quite sure what you're going to do. So I was working some odd jobs and trying to sort stuff out. So comics started to become more of a distraction that I couldn't keep up with, which I think is why my brain is a little hazy here. But I do remember this run of Claremont and Lee so fondly. Delvin's absolutely right. 275 really stands out in my mind. It's just what a gorgeous book and what an exciting story that was and how much fun the X-Men could be. I'm really glad that we did the uh, Acts of Vengeance episode with Bailey and did the Captain America comics, because seeing those, I I see where the potential was for a a lot of fun to be had with this Acts of Vengeance storyline. Yeah, I just missed the boat on that one. But, yep, same with my brother. Fond memories of leaving Germany, sad to be leaving, and this kind of the end of my first phase of comic book reading as a young adult. What about you, Pat? Any memories? I like Jared. It brings back the memory of Batman 89 and getting that VHS tape and just putting that in every night when before I would go to bed and just playing that from beginning to whenever I would fall asleep and just over and over and over again. Uh, that reminds me of that. I would say around this time is when I really started getting more into comics And so going to different comic book stores to start to collect them and trying to figure out, I wasn't reading Acts of Vengeance at the time, or I would say I wasn't reading, you know, know that Acts of Vengeance was out, so I haven't read that at all yet. So very interesting to kind of go back now and read through all this stuff and just, man, I wish I would have been picking stuff up from the get-go back then. All right, with our memories out of the way, that's going to bring us to the end of this part of the show. You got a comment or a question? Send us an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com or make a comment on the Longbox Crusade Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram page. And we will be right back. Monthly, monthly, monthly. It's Action Film Face-Off! Hello, I'm Jason the Weasel Skull Albrick, and I'd like to tell you about a podcast I do with my brother, Jared Albrick, the yard sale artist. Action Film Face-Off! Yes, thank you, Jared. Action Film Face-Off is a podcast where my brother and I, who are both military combat vets... Jason was a Navy SEAL! Jason was not a Navy SEAL. Jason was a military intelligence wing. But anyway, in each episode of Action Film Face-Off, we select two different action films. Some of them have Chuck Norris. Technically speaking, none of them have had Chuck Norris yet. But it could happen because we use a randomizer set between 1970 and modern day to select our two films. So you'll always get two films, each from a different year. Our randomizer has spikes on it. We use a Google random number generator, so it does not have spikes on it. And we put the films into our Video Dome arena. It also has spikes. 
It does not have spikes. <laughs> but we discuss the films and score them through six different rounds of criteria. I score Bond films very high. Okay, that's true. But anyway, by the end of the episode, we crown one of the action films the champion of action film face-off. Next episode, Jason fights a bear. Jason is not fighting a bear, but please give our show a listen. We're part of the Longbox Crusade Network of Shows. Pat Samson killed a man with a sword once. I can neither confirm nor deny that statement. But you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and most podcatchers under Longbox Crusade, or you can subscribe to just our show by searching for Action Film Face Off. Come see the blood fly! And that's Action Film Face Off. We do, indeed, invite you to come and see the blood fly. I just said that! Welcome back from the break. Let's continue on with the show. Now it's time to scan through the featured issue of Uncanny X-Men number 256 for the top ads that stood out to us. In a segment called Add It Up. are the ads that stood out to us in this issue. And we did a little bit something different this go around. Normally, we would each let us all pick an issue and figure out which one we liked, but we decided to let Delvin pick them out for us on what he thinks we would like. So, let's get right to it and see which one was chosen for Jared from Delvin. Delvin selected for me a little I'm a huge fan of Castlevania, and Delvin knows that I've beaten every Castlevania game they have ever made, period. And he gave me the ad for Castlevania 2 Simon's Quest on the Nintendo Entertainment System. This is a 1989 comic book, people. It's going to be pretty much Nintendo ads, possibly some zit cream. I don't know what that's about. Uh, I think it's wall to wall. But yeah, Simon's Quest, definitely a, well, let me put it this way. It's an interesting game. I think most Castlevania nuts would say it is the... This is more RPG look. Redheaded stepchild of, (laughs) of the Castlevania series. Just because it was really cryptic and there's a lot of weird things that you would have never figured out if you didn't have, you know, Nintendo Power. Power. Mm-hmm. I, I think it was kind of in that era where they're really trying to move Nintendo Power. So game makers were putting things in there that just you'd never figure out if you didn't have it. Luckily, uh, at, in the Christmas of 1989, the aforementioned Christmas of 1989, my aunt sent me a VHS tape that was really cool. It was tips and tricks and secrets and how to beat. Nintendo games and I had three games on it and one of them was Simon's Quest. So luckily I watched the video and I knew all the tips and tricks to beat Simon's Quest. And and once you're kind of in the know, it's a really cool game. Uh, it definitely is the most different of the series, but I love it. And it's I mean, it's still got the great music and a lot of the iconography of the series. It's wonderful. So thanks, Delvin, for giving me Castlevania 2 Simon's Quest. Let me talk about such a great game on the Nintendo Entertainment System. I do remember how kind of 
different that one was from the main series. Mm-hmm. Still cool though. Still cool. Yeah, that was that was the second Castlevania, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember playing it. I played the heck out of that game because they did. It was a difference in town between yep. uh, daytime and the nighttime. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this background music track is a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yeah, and that was one of the more annoying features of the game is that you'd be walking along and it would be like a terrible curse has. I can't remember the exact phrase. Yep. <laughs> it's the night. Yep. Now it's nighttime and everything gets harder. And then, yeah, again, different. Much to the same vein that Zelda 2 was the most different of the Zelda series. But Correct, you know what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is not an episode of Comics Console, but uh, I'll talk about video games all day. You know it. You know and it, you eh? have. There. <laughs> oh, man, I just caught flat from Jason about going long. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's you went too long. <laughs> well, let me go back to do 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 do. <laughs> All right, Jason, what ad has Delvin chosen for you? Delvin chose for me the very back of the comic has the ad for Dungeon, the board game from TSR. Now, while Jared was into the video games, I was and am still an avid collector, and I have this game to this day. Jared and I spent a lot of time playing it. It was fairly simple. You could play one of several different types of characters. There was like an elf, dwarf, fighter, magic user, cleric. So each character had its own little uh, individual powers and skills. You had the dungeon board, which had kind of randomized. Some had treasures, some had monsters, some had monsters and treasures. So you didn't really know what you were going to find when you go through the door, and it played a little different every time. Simple playability, but a lot of variability and just a lot of fun. So I had a lot of good memories playing dungeon with Jared and made some good memories playing dungeon uh, with my kids fairly recently so lots of fun cool very cool i am definitely into that kind of a game myself too i've picked up some other newer board games from dungeons and dragons as well too that is fun to play you know who would probably be really good at dungeon (laughs) our friend Um, yeah (laughs) putting down in the basement it's very familiar (laughs) being in and you know i do like playing with the lights on and off down there for him (laughs) From a little control board that we have here. So it's like, flick it on, flick it off. Flick it off yep. Oh, wait. Maybe I shouldn't have said that out loud. I know he listens in, but that's not me, Clinton. It, it's MJ. Stop <laughs> playing with those lights. Delvin, what ad did you choose for you? Man, I gave y'all a good ones, but I found one that will at least be a good consolation prize. I don't think I ever played it, but the ad says for you to be a video warrior and it shows the wrestlers, Hawk. An animal who are the Road Warriors, a very, very popular WCW tag team. And they were all in their regalia. And very much like action film face-offs, they had spikes on them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember the uh, Road Warriors uh, very much cashing in on the Mad Max Absolutely. vibe, yeah. you know, with Road Warrior. And yeah, Road Warriors. And, and the other tag team I associate with that era is, uh, was it the Bushwhackers? Mm-hmm. Uh, Bushwhack yeah, Bill? With the, with the arms, they would... Yeah, 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 yeah. Not to be confused with the scorpion. Right, the scorpion dance is very similar yeah. to the Bushwhackers talk. Too bad people at home can't see this. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I don't know if they ever actually wrestled each other, but for some reason I always associate those two tag teams in my head. Don't know why. It was always fun watching wrestling like that uh, when they would get the big teams going on, the WrestleManias happening, and oh. I'm, oh. Trying to get, I'm trying to get my wife to get into it again you know like during the week when there's nothing else on tv it's like well 
there's a wrestling show on. Let's go ahead and start watching wrestling and have some fun. As you know, I just scored WrestleMania three from 1987 on DVD, oh, yes. and I've, <laughs> I've been watching that. I haven't watched it since I was at my buddy Steve's house in Germany on VHS in like 1988. It's you so. Steven Mad Dog Bogers. Steve, that's right. Man, it's great. I'm really getting into the old school uh, wrestling stuff. Brings back memory. The awesome. spectacle of it is just fantastic. People, like, back then, it was easier to have spectacle because there wasn't internet. There weren't yeah, people yeah. who think that being cynical about something is being cool. Mm, you, just yeah, had, you just had you and your neighborhood buddies. Yep. And so if, so if one of them were lucky enough to get pay-per-view and Ooh, you yeah. all gathered over there and watched it, you marked the freak out over something like WrestleMania. It was an event. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. 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 Yeah. Great times. Great times. Well, the ad that Delvin picked out for me is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Serial. Mm. Wow. Mm. Wow. Wow. Yummy. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm so miss eating cereal. I so miss eating cereal as a kid. You would get up every day, you especially on the Saturdays when it's cartoon day. Man, just eating cereal in a big bowl, pouring that milk. And as I was telling you guys in the chat, you know, I'd be the kid that would actually pour extra sugar on my cereal. Just you to do what now? Taste. You do what now? Extra sugar. Pour <laughs> You know, I, I would put too much on there, and you know what? I got I got so hot and sticky and sweet from my hands <laughs> to my feet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I should tell you this or not, Pat, but see, I can tell by your comment that you aren't very active on Instagram. Do you know why? I don't know why. Because Instagram, they will advertise the F out of you. Like, you know, the phones are spying on us nowadays, mm-hmm. right? You know, yeah. so all you have to do is talk about like, oh, man. And, you know, since I'm diabetic now, I can't eat cereal. I get ads That's all the time for these like low carb sort of keto cereals that look freaking delicious. Oh, and I'm a, those. I got I'm some. A, I'm afraid to buy it, like because for several reasons. Disappointed. It's like, well, one, like, would I be paying like twelve dollars for a box of cereal, and then would it be? It's like ten bucks for a box, yeah. For like those little mini boxes. Remember when you get those mini boxes of cereal, Mm -hmm. the variety boxes? Oh man! But Jason, since you are they good? They are delicious. They are a hundred. They are so good. (laughs) Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. You got to get the variety box, right? And Mm -hmm. make sure you get chocolate and peanut butter. Chocolate. Mix them together. Mix them. Mix them together. Oh, that's good. And, okay, pro tip, keep the milk. Your coffee. Pour that milk (laughs) into the coffee. Oh, my Jason. You diabolical son of a Yep. Man, best ten dollars you will ever spend. I'm telling you, I am amazed, sir. I am amazed. <laughs> <laughs> so you, we're helping people's lives uh, on the show. Uh, <laughs> wow, <laughs> <laughs> I gave the old English. Wow, wow. Oh man. <laughs> but going back to this Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series, and oh, all this was the hype of the turtles, 1989 with the turtle cartoon, and these are 
the turtles in their cartoon looking outfits and everything drawn here. You got to taste this new cereal, it says. It's crunchy ninja nets and ninja marshmallows. Kawabunga, it's delicious. Give me Man. a wow on that. <laughs> wow. There we wow. go. Chow down, dudes. <laughs> oh, just such fun times with this. All right, with those ads out of the way, do you got a comment on this? You want to tell us what your favorite ad was? What was your favorite cereal? Or maybe you tried the new keto cereal that Jason has. Let us know. I'm interested. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> you can do that by contacting us at contact at longboxcrusade.com or send a comment on the Longbox Crusade Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram page that obviously I'm not on. But now let's go ahead and continue on with the next segment called Way Back in Time. Once again, it is time to take another revealing peek back into history. What famous date shall I set it to today, Mr. Peabody? December 1989. We're going to get into some major news for December of 1989, and we'll go around the horn, starting with Jason. December 1st, Romanian five-time Olympic gold medal winning gymnast Nadia Comaneci arrives in New York City requesting political asylum to the United States. Granted. It's like a Tony the Tiger granted you. <laughs> that was, she was victorious, man. She won five Olympic golds and then she won the gold of life. She got to come to the United States. She got asylum. December 2nd, the 54th Iron Bowl occurred in 1989, where Auburn beat Alabama 30-20 to 20 in Auburn. Uh, uh, that's that's not enough. I got to keep going yes. here. Yes, I was going to expand. <laughs> this was the very first time that Auburn played Alabama in the city of Auburn. Because for all of those years, Alabama were a bunch of punk. You can you just be ready to bleep this. Bunch of punk cowards. And they kept avoiding coming to Auburn to play. And one of the stipulations that Coach Pat Dye made coming there is like, if we're continuing this rivalry, we have to play in Auburn. And so he did. And so that very first game, monumental. And Auburn beat him. War Eagle. Jared, add stuff because this is awesome. That's what I was going to add. It was the first time game. They'd been playing in Birmingham at a, listen to my air quotes, neutral site. All right. Birmingham is like 80% Bama. <laughs> okay. So, no, no, it's a neutral site for years and years and years. And like Delvin said, first time ever they played in Auburn. And guess who won? The Tigers. Because we were great. We just got to let them go and play this out, Pat. So then, yeah, all right, in the first quarter. I figured. <laughs> I figured right, we would get a little more on this one. Somebody call Van Alexico and get him on the show. <laughs> Welcome to the AU Wishbone on the Longbox Crusade Network. All right, anyways. <laughs> got to talk about Cold War stuff, Jerry. <laughs> okay. Well, here's the thing. It was so monumental that Auburn beat Alabama in the first time in Auburn game that the very next day, Soviet President Mikhail Gorbachev and U.S. President George H.W. Bush declared the Cold War to be over. So I like to think that the Auburn victory helped heal that wound <laughs> and declared the Cold War all done. Auburn beat Alabama, world peace. Yeah. 
There you go. Mikhail Gorbachev was like, this is good time for world peace because the Tigers beat the crap out of those pieces. Crimson Tide. Agreed. Yes. I it's think on tape. Exactly right. I, you yeah. can look it up. Fact. <laughs> I agree. It's verified. It's verified. Okay. Sure. Sure. I'll take that. On December 13th, Taylor Swift, American singer and songwriter, was born in Reading, Pennsylvania. T-Swizz, born. <laughs> I was trying to think of a clever bit, but I can't think of a song. <laughs> Because uh, the player's going to play. <laughs> oh, like, don't worry, Jared. Shake it off. <laughs> Thank you, Dalvin. There we go. You're welcome. Shake it off. And You're sad I'll... about it. So, you know, she's the reason for the teardrops on your guitar. I, all right. I, I lost me on that one, but I, I'm sure it's that's first, that's, That was her first single. Uh, are you done? Uh, are you done? <laughs> Black is that is that Taylor Swift also? No, that's Black Panther. There we go. Oh. <laughs> what? Where are you going with that? I don't know. It just popped into my into my <laughs> What? All right, we'll shut up. <laughs> Sorry. Thank you. It worked, Pat. On December 17th, The Simpsons, created by Matt Groening, premieres on Fox TV as a full animated series with the episode Simpsons Roasting on an Open Fire. And that show is still going. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. Wow. We- Mm-hmm. Yep, and he w- went to uh, Evergreen College here in uh, Olympia, Washington. The reason why the series is still going is they were so elated that Auburn beat Alabama. There it is. Yeah, 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 I was going to throw it in there, but I was like, as long as Alabama avoided coming to Auburn to play, that's what I heard. That's <laughs> Jared. Is that true? Yes. Uh, baby Taylor Swift had to watch it on replay. She was like, "These players, they really know how to play, play." <laughs> Steve, at one year old, not even a year old, picked up a guitar. <laughs> I don't think she was even born yet, was she? She no, she born. had to watch it on. She had to watch it on replay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's unfortunate. She learned it in the womb. That's what happened. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and get into the top three movies for December 1989, and I'll start us off with number three, coming in at seventy-two million dollars. Is the movie always? And only because you've mentioned butt bands there. And I will love you, baby. Always. That was Bon Jovi. And I'll be here forever and a day. Pat, I'm sorry you gotta edit this episode. Yeah, yeah, that's like a crazy. If you told me to cry for you, Pat, I would. If you told me to lie for you, I would. Take a look at my face. Steal the sun from the sky for you, Pat. <laughs> I'm still on always. You just, go ahead. All right, I, I've actually seen the movie, just for the record. <laughs> it's about planes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, planes is well, part of it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Like the ghost of Richard Dreyfus airplanes anyway yeah mm-hmm. how That's dare you how dare you jared ruin my bit with you know actual knowledge from the movie? <laughs> <laughs> i'm a son of a <laughs> like that <laughs> jason well the number two movie in december of 1989 was the war of the roses and it raked in nearly 84 million dollars and we all know 
Every rose has its thorn Just like every night Has its dawn fade out Just like every cowboy Sings the sand Stay back in cause Pat keeps going Every rose has its thorn Yes it does fade out Give to the next person and the number one movie, raking in over $106 million, Driving Miss Daisy. Who's gonna drive you home? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Morgan Freeman, that's who. Yeah. That's true. Wow. That's a lot of money. Good movies. Good this movies. This might be the first time I've seen every movie we mentioned. Really? Uh, Yes. Well, with that, let's go ahead and go into the top three songs, according to Billboard, at this time. We'll start off with number three, Jared. Sure it's my turn? Yeah, that one just went. ain't necessarily my turn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got me. You got duped on that one. I got duped on that one. I just want to drop one of those. It ain't. <laughs> right there for you. Number three song was, It's Just the Way That You Love Me, by Paula Abdullah. I'm not afraid to say it. I love it. <laughs> I think I mentioned it before. On We've covered Apollo Abdul on this show before, and I've seen Apollo Abdul in concert. And guess who opened up for her? Night Ranger. Night Ranger? No. <laughs> oh. Man, I wish, though. <laughs> color me bad. Color me bad. Color me bad. Yeah. And you and I have both talked on the air before about how we both own the Shut Up and Dance Remixes album, which is excellent. Oh, yeah. Yep. First CD I bought. Was Shut Up and Dance. That's how much I loved it. Yeah, I got no beef with it, man. It's a good CD. Definitely. Number two song is We Didn't Start the Fire by Billy Joe. Harry Truman, Doris Day, Red China, Danny Ray, South Pacific, Walter Mitchell, Joe DiMaggio. Joe McCarthy, Richard Dixon, Senator Dixon, Marilyn Monroe. It was always burning since the world was burning. I thought I liked it. Wow! I can keep going. I can sing the whole thing. Well, before you do that, Jason, go ahead and tell us what the number one song was. Well, number one should probably have an asterisk with it, but, but it was Blame It on the Rain, Millie Vanilli, or somebody. somebody. <laughs> Blame it on the rain, let it fall, let it fall, Blame it on the stars, that shine at night. Whatever you do. Don't push blame on you. Blame it on the rain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Give me back your Emmy. <laughs> or not Emmy. What was it? Uh, oh, what are the- <laughs> Grammys. Grammys. Give me back your Grammy. I love Millie Vanilli. Same. They got yeah, some good. I mean, there were some good songs. There were some good jams on that definitely album. Definitely some good songs. That was definitely one of those albums that you know when you're at the high school parties on the weekend and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know that was what was going on in the background notes. Girl, you know it's true. What one is that one? Girl, you know it's true. Oh. I'm not in love, girl. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so in love, girl. <laughs> And this is true. (laughs) (laughs) Don't forget my That brings us to the end of this part of the show. Got a comment or question? Send us an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com. You can also follow and leave a comment on Twitter at longboxcrusade. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Clinton Robinson here. I recently attempted to sneak into the Longbox Crusade headquarters basement to watch some of the Albrecht Brothers action movies while the crew was out at the Saturday matinee theater. Too bad I had a little mishap and got stuck down here with no movies to boot. However, there are pieces of Pat's old podcasting equipment and excellent Wi-Fi service, so I decided to pass the time watching online fan films. And talking about them. What, you don't know what a fan film is? Well, there are these non-theatrical movies that people post online of already established characters and settings. Hey, hey, hey now. Just wait and see. Save all judgment for what happens when you listen to Fan Film Fridays. A new podcast found on the Longbox Crusade podcast feed. Welcome back from the break. Now, let's get to the feedback part of the show where we share your comments, emails, questions, likes, and shares in a segment called Crusader Comments. We're thrilled to kick off these comments with special shout-outs to our Crusaders Club members. These are the fine folks that have joined our crusade. They enjoy early access to special Longbox episodes, voting to help determine show content, and so much more. So, these are the folks reaping the benefits and giving some much-appreciated support to the show. And Helica Wolf out. Old Burn Elvis. Bill Beer. Blast it or stash it. Fallen Brad Morin. Braxton Underwood. Clinton Robeson. David Collins. Gerald Green. Greg Van Leuven. The mighty Mark Hather. Jeremy L. Jim. We be jumping, we jumping, we jumping, we jumping, we jumping, we jumping, jumping. I hope you like Jarman too. Oh my God. That's so bad. Fantastic. Oh, uh, I don't know. Wow. (laughs) All I got to say is wow. Oh, speaking about wow, though, let's go ahead and give it up for Joe November. John Watson. John and Maggie. Jose Pollo. Joshua Strickland. Slackers. Maxwell Traver. Michael Wagner. Miranda W. Paul Hicks. Rick from Jeff and Rick present. Rob Morgan. And a hearty welcome back to Rossma Show. Whoop, whoop. It's on my show. <laughs> Ryan Daly. Samantha Maney. Sean Urbanski. Steve Cronin. Timmy. Tim Price. And Toronto Cup. If we missed anyone on our list, we apologize. Please keep in mind that we record these episodes well in advance of release. 
So if you're a recent addition, we should be adding you soon. But still, no worries. Just let us know we missed you by sending an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com and we will get it straightened out. As a reminder, you can become a Crusaders Club member by heading over to patreon.com, not being Jason, and searching for Longbox Crusade. For as little as $1 a month, you'll get access to the amazing world of the Crusaders Club. Come check it out. Don't have any extra scratch lying around, but still want to help us out here at LBC headquarters? Please take a moment to write a review on iTunes for this podcast, even if you just want to keep it short with just star ratings. It helps raise the profile of the show, and we will share your review on the next show. We will get to social media likes, shares, and retweets from our last Longbox Crusade, which was episode 26, where we covered Uncanny X-Men. 183 from July 1984. I'll kick it off with Aguar Silva. And we kept leaving our wallet with El Sedano. We gotta get it. Get it. Gots, gots to get it. All-Star Squadron. Andrew Island. Is is that like an island named Andrew? Or is... I was told no man is an island. Mm. All right. Strangely enough, we got Andrew Isthmus. I'm just kidding. It's Andrew Morris. And Helica Fetty Woof. Oh. Bradford William. Peninsula. <laughs> Brian G65. Cadmus to Crisis. Chris Leiden. Chris at BTO and Bat Books. Let it roll. Down the Tuba. <laughs> Clinton Robinson. Coffee and Comics. Comic mm, reflections. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm. yeah. Mm. Deep. Deep thoughts. Conlon J. Gregory. Craig Lovelace. I might know his sister. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I was like, do we dare? And you don't. <laughs> I and dare. We, we dare. <laughs> Speaking of which, we got the double Ds. It's Danilo Dulay. Darren Sutherland. And his beard. Delvin Cox. That's a good name. That's a good it man. Is. DC. Also a good man, Derek William Crab. Ed Beatty. Not Ned Beatty. Not the actor. But <laughs> oh, 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 we made it. <laughs> Ed Beatty. But we still love you, Ed. Enoch A. Scott. Fabio Oliveira. Fan Film Fridays podcast. Franklin Boyd. Gene Hendricks. Our good friend Jerry Green. Green Lantern HG. I'm just now realizing how long this list is. It is long. It is man. long. Hal Jordan. Hennessy Smith. You drink a bottle of Hennessy, you got on your shelf, so just let me introduce myself. My name is Humpty. I just remarked how long this was. And it's getting longer. <laughs> Ivan Chudley. James Charles Huntley. James Jackson. Jay Graver. Jeffrey Brown. Jesse Perez. Jay Donald. The D stands for like Derek or Donald or something. What? These nuts. John R. Smith. John is watching cartoon. J.P. Smith. K.B. Chuck Hines. Kelly Sherman Brown. Ken Solo. Lance Thomas. Laurel. The Mountain Flower. Possibly an employee. Of action face off. We're looking into it. Either way, we're happy that you're around, Laurel. Thank you. Lloyd Smith. Luke Ed. As, as a quick note, Jared, uh, uh, she, she does not work for you guys. Just uh, uh, are you sure? Pretty sure, yes. <laughs> and moving on, Manuel Kenyette Mendoza. Figure out why she was at the company Christmas party. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> He's loading up that plate, too. 
Marco Mitchell. Matt Large. Max Reads Comic. Max Traver. Mike Zomkowski. Monthly Monday Movie Muckabout. Mr. Toten. <laughs> nice. Nas Ghani. Crazy like a Nelson Fox. Just can't live without that fox and affection. Paris A. Baston. Philip O. Philip Packer. Professor Frenzy. It's a, it's show. a show. It's a frenzy show. <laughs> You're on the Professor Frenzy feed. Reggie Yang. Richard Myers. Rick Heineken. Rick Longoria. Ronald Caldwell. Ruth Sutherland. Saul Lerman. Secret Wars and Beyond Podcast. Chiron C. Eskridge. Steve Hopkins. Tanya Pucky. Terry Waltemeyer. The Hammer Strikes. And geeky stuff and voiceover. Tim Price, come on down. Trekker talk. Uh, in homage to Castlevania earlier, I'll try to put this to words. We're unpacking the power of the power of power pack. You pack the power and then you pack it right back. Because it's Jeff and Rick over on Unpacking the Power Pack. Unpacking power of power pack. You're unpacking power and pack it right back. Because it's Jeff and Rick. Unpacking the power of the power pack. <laughs> <laughs> I it. I thought it was good. That was good. That was good. Oh, man. On the spot. Yeah. I, I picture myself squatting on a block in like a treasure chest. For bloop, 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 bloop. <laughs> I often picture you squatting on a block. Right? You're all like, bloop, 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 bloop. Bernard <laughs> <laughs> Jeffries. Waffles. Uh, should I wait? Says I should insert. Should I insert something funny there? Oh, go ahead. Maybe. Sorry, go ahead. I don't know. Maybe I should. Maybe I shouldn't. I don't know. Waffles. Waffles. I don't know. I'll think about it. <laughs> I see what you did there. I got okay, you. it was a deep cut. I was wondering. Oh, he's waffling. I'm I just got. <laughs> <laughs> I guess he's waffling. Excellent job. Yes, 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 yes. And last, but certainly not least, West McGee. Wow. We'll move on to social media comments from, I'll start with one from Tim Price, the pod crasher. Says, great episode, Crusaders and Delvin Cox. I had a great time. Let's also remember that Logan was teaching Pete a lesson because Logan feels very protective and paternal to Kitty specifically. Pete hurt his girl and wanted some payback. I'm pretty sure we said the exact same thing on the show. Yeah, if he was really that protective of this 14-year-old girl, he wouldn't let this, like, 20-year-old man be. (laughs) (laughs) Still hung up on that. Yeah, that's, uh, it's disturbing. All right, I'll keep the train rolling with John from John is Watching Cartoons. And he said, I had this one. I didn't collect X-Men at the time, but I like Juggernaut, so I bought this. And pretty good purchase if you like the Juggernaut. Wise maneuver there, John. He hit a dude with a bar. <laughs> and I don't mean like a metal pipe style bar. I mean the, the whole bar. The whole bar. Yeah. It was impressive. I'm going to take one from Angelica Fetty Wolf. Oh. And she says, My husband heard me busting into laughter and said, Are you listening to that comic podcast again? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes, she is. Yes, Andre, she is. You should be too. <laughs> Mm. We were friends longer. You know what? I, I, I want to move on. I'm 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 very upset. I'm All not right. upset. I'm kidding. Go ahead. All right. I'm going to grab this one here from Green Lantern HG. He says, what a fun episode, guys. Delvin Cox's laughter was so contagious. I kept laughing every time he did. That issue I know I've read, but man, I can't remember anything. And Jared, those 90-something songs from Prince, 
Do they ever get released? No. <laughs> Maybe. With Prince, it's so hard to tell because he'll release tracks that he's had for years that'll pop up on certain... So probably some of them did. Uh, we're referring to like the 90 unused tracks from the movie Purple Rain. I'm mm-hmm. sure some of them filtered out, and I'm sure some of them are still in the vault. Yeah, and I think we'd be remiss not to shout out to Delvin for that episode. His laughter is contagious, and what a great yes. guest he was to have on the show. I'm not, a, I'm not a guest. Delvin. I'm here all the time, Jason. I'm no, right we're here. talking about the Delvin that brought something to the show. Yeah, the, the one with the, the contagious Delvin. laughter. The contagious laughter. Yeah, that's that's me. <laughs> it is also you, Delvin. We love you, too. We love both our Delvins. I will fish for a compliment until I get one. I got, yeah. one. <laughs> I, got I had to get vaccinated for the Delvin Cox laughter because it's so contagious. <laughs> it's like two shots from Moderna, too. Man. <laughs> and we've got a Delvin Williams variant. <laughs> uh, I will read a comment. I don't know if we've ever gotten one from West McGee before, so let's read his. He says, I'm not sure if I've ever gotten tired of seeing people fight civilian attire Kane Marco, not knowing he was juggernaut. That's why you just don't pick a fight with random people at bars. He could be a juggernaut. And even if he's not, he's a big dude. Right. There there are smaller dudes you can pick on. It's like, hey, hey, you, like, you know, four foot three guy. Then it's Puck, you know. (laughs) Then you're fighting Puck. It's still in trouble. Should we go around and do another one? Yeah, I think we should because we got some first time commenters here. So I'm going to grab one more from, I, I don't think we've had a comment from Matt Large before. If we have, it's been a long time. And he simply said, my favorite super fight. Thanks for the comment, Matt. I'll take one from Rick Longoria, and he said, John Romita Jr. art is phenomenal. Here, here. I've got one. I'm not sure if this is a first-time commenter or not. It's kind of new in my mind. Uh, Richard Myers. So Richard says, like that whole run. And I agree. Not too shabby. A lot of first-time commenters. Yeah. Uh, over, over on the Facebooks. Welcome to the show, Facebook mm-hmm. folks. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We love all the comments. Thank you to everyone for the likes, shares, follows, and comments. We appreciate your friendship and help in spreading the word about this podcast. And that's the show. Be sure to check out the website, longboxcrusade.com, where the posts will be made for journaling this crusade. And also be sure to take a listen to these other podcast participants in the Mary Marvel Marching Society 2021 event. And I'll start us off with Third Degree Burn. Back to the bins, Avengers Spotlight. Coffee and comics. Comic book time machine. I recorded that nine years ago. <laughs> Doomspeak. Fan holes podcast. Fire and Water podcast presents. Head speaks. Aaron. Into the weird. Jeff and Rick present unpacking the power pack. Give me a beat. Just kidding. <laughs> Justice not entirely dissimilar to Lightning, a Thunderbolts podcast. Make ours Marvel. Married with comics. Resurrections, an Adam Warlock podcast. Rolled Spine podcasts. Views from the long And we hope you give all those shows a listen to for the month of March. I want to thank Jared, Jason, Delvin for joining me this episode. But before we go, let's find out where the listeners can find us on the internet. Jason. You can find me at Weasel Skull on Twitter or Jason Albrick on Facebook and Instagram. Delvin. You can find me on Twitter at D-E-E underscore R-A-Y one nine seven seven. Jared. I am at Yard Sale Artists. It's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artists, and I'm probably at your local Long John Silvers. Pat? 
Jared, I am glad you asked. You can find me on the Twitter at ChrisTatos01. And Jared, will you get me some hush puppies while you're there? Gotcha. You want chicken planks or fish planks? You know, I think they're the same thing either way, but they're delicious. That they are. And if you want to interact with us via live chat and be entered to win some free stuff on our live raffles, join us on our next episode of Doing It Livestream over on YouTube. We do them on the second Sunday of every month, and we also start at 3.30 p.m. Central Time. You can get signed up for that by looking up Lawnbox Crusade on YouTube. Please subscribe to our channel and click the bell so you will get reminder notifications of when we go live. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of The Lawnbox Crusade. You got a comment or a question, email us at contact at Crusade. Or leave a comment on the Lombox Crusade Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter page at Lombox Crusade. Until next time, take care and please join us on the next episode as we continue on the crusade to read them Intro music is provided by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J O S E F L I N 99. You won't regret it. All songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics. Outtakes. So I have a um, Ghost Rider DVD that I. Uh, DVD's nuts. <laughs> get started, I guess. So I can, yes. yeah. This should be relatively short, right? Yeah, well, just yeah. one comic In theory. There we go. Yeah, it depends on how long everybody takes for their crusades. I tell you what, take that clip that Delvin did just now. This should be relatively short, right? Just put that at the beginning of every episode. <laughs> <laughs> and then at the end, when he's like, hurry up, I want to go to bed. <laughs> Cover dated December of 1989. Another summer. I was going to, but I'm like, no, I won't do it. Uh, Not in the right. beginning. I was saving it your for job, later. But I, all right, I'll shut up. I'm I was saving it for later. But Hey, well, which is a good time. To, like, Jared, I saw you when we were recording with Michael Bailey, and he said 1989, and you looked up like, oh, oh. I perked I'm up like, like <laughs> Did you look for me like, Matt, where's it? <laughs> all right, go ahead, man. Yeah, Get we down. Almost, we almost got through the intro. Almost. Sounded of and I was doing all right too. So add it up, add it up. I'm sorry, I just I jumped it. I jumped it. Man, oh, we got subtract it down. down. Subtract it down. (laughs) Got to minus it. You got to minus it. (laughs) You got to minus it. (laughs) You got to minus it. See what you got. December 1989. Take me away. I don't mind, but you gotta gotta promise me I'll be back in time. Yeah, listen to an episode or two. <laughs> <laughs> Dylan, you want to take the next one? Oh, I for some reason thought it was Jared, and I actually looked at the order and still. Wow. 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 We'll be right back. Thank you, Delvin, for saving You're us. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was in on it, and I didn't even like it. I was mad. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's like I'm so disappointed. Blame it. Oh, no. I can't stop. <laughs> it's hook. They got hooks. They got the hooks in me. Is it Shiron? Shiron? Yeah, it's just Shiron. Shiron. Shiron, I think is correct. Shiron, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you get that me on the internet. Yeah, figure out which one of you. I was talking about there. <laughs> Go what you want. Go on. Get what you want. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Ooh, all right. Get the laughs out. And it's, you're, not, you're, not, you're, you're not missing anything, Jared. <laughs> what the heck, son? Chris it's photograph. Photograph. Play some Nickelback. Nickelback. All right. I'll do some Def Leppard. I don't, I don't want, want you. I don't need your All I want is a photograph. I want to touch you. There's no reason to be there. That was hot. Yeah. That's my Def Leppard. <laughs> <laughs>